Hey friends, I want to ask for your help. If this podcast has been an encouragement to you, there are three simple, easy ways you can express your gratitude and partner with us here at Into the Harvest. The first is to visit iTunes, give us a five-star rating, and leave a review. iTunes is the largest podcasting platform in the world, and it uses ratings and reviews to boost a podcast's visibility. This will help others stumble across our podcast and benefit from it. You taking a few minutes to leave us a rating and a short written review will make a big difference. The second thing you can do is to share our content on Facebook. The same thing is at play here. Every time a post is liked, shared, or commented on, Facebook elevates that piece of content's visibility. Taking just a second or two to like, comment, or share a post goes a long way to helping others see that content and connect with us. The third thing you can do to partner with us is to simply go old school and tell two or three of your friends about this podcast and encourage them to subscribe and follow along with us on this journey. Abigail, Lakeith, and I are excited about what God is doing with Into the Harvest and thankful to have you be part of the community. Today's bonus audio is a keynote I gave at Fort Bragg, North Carolina in 2017. Every day we make choices that shape our lives and determine our devotion to Christ. And even when we have the best intentions, there are so many ways we can get distracted or settle for mediocrity. This talk is especially geared towards those of you who are in your 20s and 30s and highlights three things you can give yourself to in those decades that will help you grow in your devotion to Christ and really live the adventure of following Him. I want to ask a question just to get our time started tonight. And the question is this. What makes for a good adventure story? What is it about movies like Braveheart or Last of the Mohicans or Karate Kid? Um, What are some of the ingredients that go into a movie like that that we're drawn to? So just throwing it out there. What do you guys think? Why do we want to spend two hours? What captures our attention? Courage, action, Action. danger, Danger. yeah, good soundtracks, I knew that was going to come up, it's definitely helpful for sure, an epic soundtrack never hurts, what else, what do you guys think, what's that, love, the character, yeah, what do you mean Shanna? Yeah. So these are all great answers, and some of them definitely came to my mind as I was thinking about the answer to this question. Uh, Some of the other things that came to my mind were there's usually uh, some sort of crisis. So you've got this, maybe this ordinary person that suddenly gets drawn into this much larger thing that is happening. And and this thing uh, requires for them to really step up and uh, step out. So danger, risk is almost always a part of the story. Uncertainty, you don't really know how it's going to end, if they're going to succeed, if they're going to make it. Um, Those are some of the ingredients that definitely stand out to me when I think of what makes for a compelling adventure story. And I want to share that because each of us here tonight has a chance. I want you to think of your life as standing at the beginning of a journey, a faith journey. And 
you really get to decide, are you going to live the adventure of faith? Are you really going to go for it and trust God and step out and become part of something that's much bigger than you are, that is uncertain, that involves risk, it probably will not have an epic soundtrack? Or is your life going to look more like a boring biography? which is what most people opt for. Most people opt for just kind of going through life. Have you ever read a boring biography? Anybody? Maybe show of hands? Yeah, there's actually not very many of them because they don't get written. Like usually, if you think about what are the biographies that get written, it's usually some sort of exceptional life. That's what we're drawn to, that somebody either through events that forced them into it, or by their own choices decided to live a life of adventure. And so tonight, one of the big questions that I want to pose to you is, others before you have come through this place and, and have decided to really go for it, to live a life of adventure following Jesus and dedicating their lives to serving Him, making disciples, sharing His message with others, making sacrifices that most other people around them aren't making, most other Christians around them aren't making? Or are you going to opt for the status quo, which you'll be able to do, and you won't necessarily stand out or feel bad, but you'll miss out. You'll miss out on that adventure that could be yours if you decide to go for it. And so some of you here are, we'll do another show of hands. How many of you are in your 40s? or older? 40s or older? Okay, only a few of us. So for the rest of you, you're in your 20s or your 30s, or perhaps maybe even younger than that. I want to share three things that you can dedicate your life to in your 20s and 30s that will help you live the adventure, to really go for it in following Christ and being part of His mission, this this larger thing that is happening in the world today that you and I have a chance to be a part of. All right. So the first thing that I would encourage you to do is to dedicate your 20s and 30s to figuring out the master, his message, and his mission. The master, his message, and his mission. Turn with me, if you would, to the New Testament book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. This idea of dedicating two decades of your life, dedicate your 20s and your 30s to figuring out the Master Jesus, His message, the Gospel, the Good News, and his mission, the work that he is accomplishing in the world today, to really understand those three things. Let's look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 3. And we read, In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, many of you may be familiar with that verse. But as I read it recently, what stood out to me is that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are to be found in Christ. 
So when we talk about the Master, His message, His mission, there are treasures that are in Christ. But these treasures are hidden. They're hidden in Christ. They aren't necessarily readily seen or stumbled across. I think most of us, whether you're brand new to faith, you're brand new to the teachings about Christ, or you grew up around it, you grew up in church, you heard the stories, you're familiar with the Bible. Most of us, I believe, have the attitude that we mostly have those things figured out. We, we, have, a, we have a good idea of who Christ is and what His message is and what His mission is. So maybe we feel like we've got 90% of that figured out, who Jesus is, what His message is about, the good news, what His mission is. And we would acknowledge that, yeah, we've got 10% that we're not sure of, but mostly we understand who Jesus is, um, what His message is all about, and what His mission is. But I would suggest that we need to reverse that, reverse that ratio, and adopt a mindset that you are a complete novice. Maybe you've got 10% clarity on who Jesus is. Maybe you've got 10% understanding of His message, the good news. 10% of an understanding of His mission, what it is that He's doing in the world today that He wants you and I to be a part of. So if you can adopt that mindset, it makes a little more sense. Take the next 20 years to find those hidden treasures that are in Christ. Figuring out who He is what He wants to tell us, and the mission that He wants us to be involved in. I have a daily prayer list that I work through. For years, I struggled in prayer. I still do. A prayer to me is the most basic form of spiritual work. Um, at least it has been in my life. A prayer is not something that comes natural to me. Uh, my mind wanders. I'm not motivated. And then uh, a few things began to encourage me, uh, and honestly, just a few years ago, uh, I began to realize that, that Jesus wants me to pray. And so that should motivate me, that Jesus wants me to pray. Jesus calls me to pray, so it's an act of obedience. Uh, Jesus invites me to pray. And even if my heart isn't in it, the fact that He wants me to, that the opportunity is there, I mean, think about how amazing this is. We all take the internet for granted, but I can tell you, as an old-timer, that there was a, a time where the internet didn't really exist for the common person. Now, the fact that you can be deployed and you can jump on a video call and talk to a loved one, it, it's so... We're so used to it that we're not amazed by it necessarily the way that we could be. And the reason that can happen is because all of the infrastructure to make that possible has, has been created. How many of you guys were over in Iraq or Afghanistan in some of the early years of the war? So Siggy, for sure, one of these old-timers. Anybody else? Probably a few others. And um, you were still writing letters, right? You weren't able to make calls. You weren't able to do these video, video calls with loved ones because the connection hadn't been built at that point. You could not just jump on video 
and have a chat with your wife or your husband around the world. Well, Jesus has done that. That's one way to think about prayer, that Jesus is the spiritual internet. That before Jesus, the idea that you and I could just come into the very presence of God and talk with Him was not something that you could take for granted. Um, you had to go to someone who, was already, who already had that connection, a priest, and ask them to, to go to Jesus or to go to God and speak to Him on your behalf. What, what an amazing privilege we have today that, that we can actually, at any time, talk to God. So these things should motivate us to prayer, and yet I find myself still struggling to pray. So I have a daily prayer list, a prayer list that I go through, and at the very top of that prayer list is this request. Lord, help me to know you more intimately. Lord Jesus, help me to know you more intimately and to become more like you in my character, in my values, and in my vision. So help me to become more like you in my character, that when people see me, they'll actually see a reflection of you. Help me to become more like you in my values, that as I'm going through life, more and more I care about the things that you think are important, not the things that I think are important. And then help me to become more like you in my vision, that I would begin to see life, the world around me, the people around me, the way that you see them. That's all part of my effort to figure out the master, his message, and his mission. It's just to ask him. And I can tell you that since I've been praying that, I'm almost embarrassed how much I've learned that I thought I knew about Jesus, about the gospel, what, what is the gospel, and about the mission that he wants me to be a part of. So dedicate, don't be like me, don't wait till you're 40 years old before you start praying that. You know, dedicate your 20s and your 30s to having that mindset that there are treasures of wisdom hidden in Jesus. And you're going to spend your 20s and 30s digging, trying to figure out who is Jesus, what is his message, and what is his mission. The second thing that you can dedicate your 20s and 30s to is mastering the basics. Okay, that's a navigator word, basics. I mean, other people use that word, but in the navigator, it means, navigators, it means something, right? So when we talk about the basics, what are we talking about? Fellowship. Fellowship. Reading the word. Who said the wheel? All right, the wheel. How many of you have never heard of the wheel? Just go ahead and raise your hand. Don't feel bad. Awesome. So when I got around the navigators, everyone kept talking about this wheel. And, um, but they didn't really talk about the wheel. They would just reference it. They would say, uh, it's like the wheel. And I thought, that's nothing like the wheel. Like whatever they were talking about at the time. Um, <laughs> seriously, it was like a year in before I figured out what the wheel was. But the wheel is a simple little diagram. It's a, it's a picture of what we often talk, describe as the basics. Um, so it starts with Christ being at the very center of our lives. And that's the, that's the hub. And then the rim is obedience. Um, o- obedience and action. And then there are four spokes that connect those two. 
So there's the word and prayer on the vertical spokes, and there's fellowship and witnessing on the horizontal spokes. When we call these things the basics, there's a few ways that we can understand that. There's a few ways that we can interpret that. I have to admit that in my life, oftentimes I thought about the basics as the beginning things, the elementary things, the things that will help you get started in your life with Christ. It will help you begin to grow closer to Him. And then, you know, as you grow and you become wiser, you move on from those things into the deeper truths. And I've come to realize that that's not the way we should think of the basics at all. Really, we can think of the basics as the fundamentals. So when we talk about mastering the basics, we really want to talk about mastering the fundamentals of being a follower of Christ. And that simple illustration, the wheel, for those of you who may not have seen it, um, ask someone to walk through that with you because those are things that you want to master, those, those six concepts are things that you want to master in your 20s and thirties, uh, 30s. Lakeith is a friend of mine who's with me here from San Diego. Hopefully you guys will get a chance to meet him. Um, but Keith and I were talking, and he had been walking with the Lord for a while, maybe a year, maybe more. But uh, he felt like, I'm getting, this, I'm getting these things down. Like, I'm spending time in prayer. I'm spending time in the Word of God, fellowship. I'm sharing my faith. I'm walking in obedience. Christ is at the center of my life. So what's, what's next? I can't remember exactly how he asked it, but what should I, what should I focus on next? And the answer is excellence. The things that you're already doing, do those things with excellence. So it's a question, when we talk about mastering the fundamentals, mastering the basics, the question is, are you going deeper in the scriptures than anyone else you know who's in your stage of life? When you look around at, at your fellow believers, are you putting more effort and more energy into learning the scriptures than anyone else you know. Prayer. Are you devoting yourselves to prayer and developing your prayer life? Uh, witnessing. And, and feel the freedom to really go for it. Um, if you're not more dedicated than anyone else you know, why not? What's, what's holding you back? Why wouldn't you be that person? It's so, e- so easy for us to just go through the motions, figure out, well, what's what's expected, or what is enough. Why not just go for it? So I got started memorizing Scripture with the Navigators. The first memory verse I learned was 1 John 5, 11, and 12. I still use it today. It's it's one of my favorite memory verses. But um, after a few years of memorizing verses on cards, I thought, man, it would be cool to memorize a book of the Bible. Um, how many of you guys have memorized a book of the Bible? There's a few. Um, I thought, I want to memorize a book of the Bible. Jude. Jude is a book that I can memorize. <laughs> it's 25 verses. Like, it's definitely doable. I've definitely learned 25 verses already. I'll just learn 25 verses in a row. I can say that I memorized a book of the Bible. Years later, I memorized Second Peter, and it was really difficult because they're very similar with minor differences. 
Uh, so I memorized Jude, and I thought, well, that was, that was doable. Like, that's, that's possible. It just takes some time, some consistency, some effort. And so I thought, um, I'm going to memorize another book. The Gospel of John. I could learn the Gospel of John if I just stay at it and learn a couple of verses each day, review them. At the time, I wasn't on staff with the Navigators. I worked a regular job, and I had a 45-minute commute. And so for the next year, I memorized the Gospel of John on my drive, going into and out of work. Nobody challenged me to do it. Nobody said, hey, if you really love Jesus, you'll memorize the book of John. Um, I just had seen the value of Scripture memory, and I thought, man, that would be a good challenge. That would be pretty, that would be pretty cool if I could actually do it, if I could memorize the book of John. So later, I knew that the, it was important for me to share my faith. I didn't know how to do it. I can remember going out when I was very young in my faith, and no one had discipled me. Honestly, I really didn't even know what the gospel was. Like, I, I knew that I believed in Jesus and that I belonged to him, but how to say that to someone else, how to share the message with them, I was completely lost. But I knew that I should do it. So me and my friend, his name was also Andrew, we decided that we would go just drive around and go to random houses and knock on someone's door and uh, tell them the story of Jesus. And so we went out, we came to this house. We were both super nervous. Uh, he was actually more clueless than I was. And we, uh, we got out of the car, we were in the driveway, and we kind of walked up to the front door. And I couldn't do it. Like I was like, I don't know what to say. I got too scared and just decided that, uh, well, we don't know what we're doing. We can't do this. So we didn't share with anybody that day. And I felt so defeated. So, man, I, one, I don't know how to share it. And two, I'm not brave enough. Like, I, I don't know how to actually follow through with this. Later, I had a friend named Robbie Singh after I met the Navigators. And Robbie was very outgoing. Like, he seemed to know how to share his faith. So I thought, I need to get with Robbie and just see if he would take me with him when he goes out to share the gospel with others. And so those of you who know Robbie, of course, sure, let's go. So we went out and we went on Fort Campbell, which is where I was living at the time. And we went to these open bay barracks. And so I was just kind of wingman to Robbie as he walked through these, these barracks. And he was just talking to guys left and right, um, which was really impressive to watch. But there were about eight of these barracks in a row. And so we finished the first and we were walking to the second. He's like, okay, your turn. You get to talk to the guys in, in this barracks. And uh, I thought, I don't know what to say. But, you know, this time I had a guy that was further along than me that had that confidence, and I just had a little bit of watching someone do it and saw that like, they didn't laugh him out of the building or he didn't get stumped on a really hard theological question that he couldn't answer. And so I talked to that first person, and my life has never been the same. It went good. I can't remember the person, but uh, I made it through. I survived. And, and do that. Figure out ways that you can challenge yourself. Whatever it is that feels like is holding you back, it doesn't have to hold you back. You can live the adventure. You don't have to live the boring biography. You don't have to be the average churchgoer. You can really go for it in sharing your faith. And it'll happen if you dedicate the next 10 to 20 years to mastering those fundamentals, those things that are talked about in the wheel illustration. And if you don't know where to start, 
there are lots of people. One of the great things about this group is that everyone is at a different place in terms of their maturity, but there's a desire to help the next generation. So if you're not sure where to start, find someone who seems to know what they're doing. Ask them if you can shadow, if you can learn from them. But go at it with more intensity than anyone else you know. If we have a whole group of people that are following Jesus like that, it's going to change the world. Like your faith will go forth from this place all over the world. So those are the first two. Figure out the master, his message, and his mission. Don't assume that you already have those mostly figured out. Assume that you don't have them mostly figured out. And then master those fundamentals, those basics. The third thing that you can do is fight the good fight of faith. Here's what I mean by that. There are some words that come up in the New Testament over and over and over, some themes that come up that don't necessarily come up as often, whether it's on a Tuesday night or a Sunday morning or just in our everyday conversations with one another. Words like endurance, suffering, character, perseverance, overcoming. Why are these words over and over talked about in the New Testament? Well, when you're in your 20s, and this isn't like 44-year-old guy lecturing. It's just 44-year-old guy speaking from experience. When you're in your 20s, everything's possible. The future's bright, um, and it's all going to be good. If you're not married, you're going to find that perfect someone. You're going to have kids. If you're young in your career, you're going to make it. You're going to do well. And then life has a way of changing that. And I can, I can just say that over the next 20 years, there are going to be some really deep waters that God takes you through as a person and as one of his people. There are going to be disappointments, things that you thought you were going to be able to accomplish that you don't achieve. People that you thought would never let you down, family members, close friends, who let you down. There's going to be struggle with sin that, that happens in your life where you, you yourself fail and you let other people down. And in those moments, you'll have to decide, are you going to fight the good fight of faith? Are you going to overcome? Are you going to persevere? Are you going to repent and return to God and continue to seek Him in the face of hardship and disappointment? I think that the reason we don't see more people, really even in their 30s, but definitely in their 40s, 50s, and 60s who are still passionate about following Jesus and helping other people come to follow Him is that this is what gets them. It's not that they didn't start off really well. Maybe they did. But they simply did not endure. At some point in their 20s and 30s, if they don't walk away from the faith, they go on autopilot. And they just sort of settle into this comfortable place. Maybe they go out to a Sunday service week in and week out. 
but they're not really fighting the good fight of faith. At some point, they've decided to settle and to not overcome, to not endure, to not persevere. It's going to come. Like, your hours of testing are going to come sometime. For some of you, sooner than later. But in the next 10, 20 years, your resolve, your faith, your dedication to Jesus, no matter where it is right now, is going to be severely tested. And you'll have a chance to live the adventure or go on autopilot. Every good adventure movie, you've got to overcome. There's some sort of challenge. There's some sort of risk and uncertainty. You know, if it was boring, if it was easy, you wouldn't want to watch the movie. So it's going to be the same for us. Like This is the real world, though. This is real life as a follower of Jesus is, will you sign up and will you go for it? So let me, uh, let me just summarize. Right now, m- most of you are in your 20s and 30s, and even though your life may seem small and you're just an, one person among 7 billion on the earth, there is a larger story that is happening in the world today, and you've already been invited to be a part of it, to be caught up into something that's bigger than you, and to go for it, to live this adventure of following Christ and helping other people follow Him, you get to decide. Do you want to have that boring biography, or do you want to go for it and live the adventure of faith? If you do, three things that you can do right now to start moving you forward in that adventure. First is to dedicate yourself to figuring out the Master, His message, His mission. Dedicate yourself to mastering those fundamentals. Yes, they're basic, but um, they're not simple. They're essential. And then the third thing is fight the good fight of faith. Make that resolve right now that whatever comes down the road, you're going to push through, you're going to overcome. And the twist at the end of this is that it's it's so important in your 20s and 30s to figure this out because this is my reality in my 40s. It really doesn't change. Like right now, I feel, I feel like I've got 10% of Jesus figured out. 10% of the Master, His message, His mission. Right now, this morning, I have to decide, am I going to get up a little bit earlier so that I can draw near to Jesus and ask Him to teach me and spend some time committing my day, my life to Him? Uh, right now, I get to decide... Not everything in my life is going the way I want it to go. Uh, Am I going to overcome? Am I going to ask Jesus to help me persevere? Or am I going to take a step back and settle into some comfortable state? So that's the trick. Actually, if you don't figure it out in your 20s and 30s, forget about it. It's not going to happen in your 40s, your 50s, your 60s. But if you can start now, God's going to use you. God's going to do great things through you and through this community if you do those. So I think, John, you wanted to do some Q&A, so we can do that now.
So you don't burn out in your faith or you don't burn out in your career? So you don't burn out in your faith. What are some of the, what are some of the dangers that you, that you think might cause you to burn out? Making your career an idol. Yeah. So we were talking a little bit about um, this, this similar idea a few nights ago. Some of you guys were there and you might hear some of this twice. But most of us, we, we tend to, even though we know that Jesus is at the center, so we've been told that, and, and we believe it. We believe Jesus is at the center. Um, all of my life needs to be focused around him. The problem is that's not really how we think. So we know the right information, but we don't think the right way. So it's actually an issue of your, your paradigm has to be transformed. So that you really do begin to see that what the only thing that counts is me belonging to God. He's got a purpose for my life. And everything has to revolve around that. Not, I'm trying to keep all of these things uh, spinning, all these plates spinning. So you've got a career, you've got a family, you've got personal goals, anything from fitness to education uh, to personal development. And most of us, faith gets thrown in there. And everything's revolving around us. It's orbiting around us, and we're trying to keep it all going. And that, that has to be shifted in our thinking so that God is at the center of my life, and everything else is revolving around that. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that's practical enough for you, but uh, I think it really does start with your mindset basically. So if your mindset is the number one thing in my life is following God and being a part of his work, then everything else is going to fall into perspective, which doesn't mean that you're not going to have seasons where you've got to be really focused on your job. And so that's, that's what you should be. Uh, again, we were talking about this a few nights ago. Um, some of you guys have heard of that, that, that idea that God first, my family second, my career third, my hobbies fourth, something along those lines. In reality, life doesn't work that way. Like when you start your day, most of your time is going to go towards your job. And then maybe your family, and then maybe God gets in there somewhere. So you've got to be able to take God with you throughout the day and be faithful in each of those different relationships and roles that he has called you to. So you have that passion, but you're trying to impart it to someone else. Um, so the first thing I would say is pray. 
Um, and even before you meet that person, I would be praying for someone who is inclined to have that kind of passion. So a person of peace, that's also on my daily prayer list. So every day I pray that God would lead us to people of peace uh, in San Diego, among the Navy, and just as I, as I move through my day, that he would let me come across people of peace. Well, if you look at Matthew chapter 10, it describes what a person of peace is. A person of peace is someone who welcomes the message. They welcome you as the messenger, and they want to be involved in the mission that God has given you. So when Jesus sent out the disciples two by two, he told them, whenever you go into a city, look for a person of peace. Right? And a person of peace is someone who welcomes the message, welcomes you as the messenger, wants to be involved in the mission. Now Jesus told them, some cities that you enter, you're not going to find one person that, that is a person of peace. You're not going to find one person who, who has those three qualities or welcomes you in those ways. And what was the solution? Shake the dust off your feet and go to the next city and look for a person of peace. So if you are that person, if you have that passion, you have to find someone that has it. And maybe it's just dormant, like it hasn't been brought out yet. But when they see it in you, they will respond. And if they don't respond, I don't think there's anything you can do other than prayer and living that life yourself. I think it's, you look at Jesus, of course, this guy was the most committed to the work that the Father had sent him to accomplish. Most of the people did not adopt his view, did not come, come away with his same passion. It wasn't something that he could just manufacture in them. So you pray that God would lead you to a person of peace. You model it, and if this person doesn't have it, then you can still encourage them, but look for someone who's got it. Right. Are there any other practical things within the fundamentals that you have done to kind of progress your excellence as you continue in discipleship? And there's so much. Like, it's only limited by, by your creativity. So maybe you want to... Some of you have probably never fasted. Uh, maybe do a study, a quick study on fasting and start fasting for the month of December. That'd be rough. <laughs> But uh, it'd be a real commitment. Um, yeah, one thing that we've done is 30 days of evangelism. So every day for the month of December, you're going to share the gospel with at least one person. Um, memorizing scripture. It's, so the idea is just to identify an area where you want to grow, set a challenging but realistic goal, Maybe get a friend or two to do it with you and to hold you accountable, and then go for it. And um, if no one else has ever done it, that's even cooler. Like, if you can actually be the first one in your community to, to pioneer something, yeah, it's anything. It's, it's giving. Um, I once heard a, uh, a guy talk about biblical giving, and he said that everyone says give 10%, but the New Testament is always greater than the Old Testament, so... 
you know, you should give at least 11%. And uh, it's probably bad theology, but I was challenged by it. I thought, ah, well, maybe we'll try that. We'll give 11%. And then in that same audio, he said, um, every year, bump it up. Just keep bumping it and, and see how much can you give. And he talked about someone who was given like 75% of his, of his uh, salary, just, just giving it away. So do something crazy. Do something audacious. Um, read the Bible in 90 days. How many of you guys have done that? Read through the whole Bible in 90 days. There's actually like a reading plan on the, the version Bible app. So a lot of people have done it. It's intense. But try it. Try to, try to read the whole Bible in 90 days. Or if you've never read the Bible, just read the Bible. Try to read it in one year. Yeah, so there's really, there's really no shortage. Just... Uh, Pick one of those areas that you want to grow in and set a goal. Say that again. Uh, have you walked through the dry season before? Oh yeah. What encouragement Yeah, definitely. Yes, um, I've definitely gone through dry seasons, and those are hard. Those are really hard because definitely what encourages me is if God is teaching me. If there's something new that I'm learning, that I'm growing, that I know that He is He's helping me discover new truth. And there's definitely been seasons where I didn't sense that that was happening. I'm sure my fault, not God's, but uh, it definitely uh, was difficult. There's also been seasons where I struggled with sin and uh, fell into sin over and over. And, you know, it's one thing to do that when you are part of a group like this. It's another thing to do that when you're leading a group like this. And um, knowing that you're being hypocritical, knowing that you're talking to people about things that aren't necessarily a reality in your own life, uh, it sucks. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, for me, at the end of the day, this is just my answer. Endure. You know, go back to God. And 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven says, Thanks be to God who always gives us the victory uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so at every moment, you have the chance to be victorious. Either because you're overcoming sin or dry periods, or because you're going back to Christ and receiving forgiveness and a fresh start and asking him to, to help you endure. So, uh, man, that's probably not practical, but it's kind of like when Jesus asked his disciples, hey, everyone's leaving and deserting me. Do you 12 also want to go away? And remember Peter's answer? Yeah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. So like, you know, if you're a married person, like imagine that, like if I ask my wife, hey, uh, do you want to leave me? Got nowhere to go. Um, you're my only option. Uh, it's not exactly like, you know, confidence inspiring, but that's essentially what Peter was saying. Like, hey, we don't understand what you just said any more than those other people, but, but we know you're the one sent from God, so we're going to hang in there. There's a lot of other things. You can shake things up, shake, shake up your schedule. If you've been doing things a certain way, sometimes that leads to a dry season, so... If you've been doing your devotions at a certain time, switch it up. Uh, 
if you're bogged down at a certain place in the Bible, quit halfway through a book and start reading somewhere else. Yeah. Right. That's a great question. I mean, I think most of us are probably not pushing ourselves. Um, I, in my own life and in my observation is that um, most of us can run a much faster pace, spiritually speaking, than we're currently running. So um, I would definitely say, you know, for where you're at right now, in your 20s, that's one of the things that you get a chance to figure out is, what is a realistic pace? And if you're a single person, and you can really go. You, you, can really, you can really pursue Christ. And uh, you can be pretty outrageously committed with your time. I mean, you know, like you, you remember when the widow put in two pennies and Jesus called his disciples over and he made a really big deal about it because she had actually given more than everyone else who were giving bags. It's because she gave all she had. So if you're single right now, you're going to get married, you're going to have less less pennies, so to speak, less discretionary time. Um, If you're young in your career, you're going to get promoted. You're going to have more responsibility. You're going to have kids. So right now is a time where you could really push the envelope and figure what is realistic and, uh, and build that, build that stamina. So, you know, you kind of find your limits by exceeding it and then dropping back. I, I just feel like I, one thing I want to share with you guys is, is to go for it. I, I, I feel like with, with Christ, we so easily let ourselves off the hook. You know, we'll, we'll dedicate and we'll commit ourselves to all kinds of things, whether they're hobbies or what the army wants from us or our careers. We'll make amazing sacrifices and spend extra time developing skills and then when it comes to, to Jesus, the, the one who paid the ultimate price for us, the one who the Bible says has been given all authority on earth and in heaven, we're so quick to let ourselves be mediocre and, and to let our devotion be average. Um, and it's, it's crazy. Like It's just like a, it's a, it, our minds aren't working right. That Jesus deserves for you to go a little over the top, you know? It's okay if you go too hard for a while. He'll show you what that right pace is, um, and you'll be living the adventure. You'll be going for it as a follower of Christ. Your life will match what you say you believe about Jesus and, and His worth, right? So, like, you can figure out how it's going to look, but more than anything else, it's the attitude. Coming, coming at your devotion to Christ with that attitude, which maybe is what Jesus was talking about, he who loses his life for my sake. You know, be willing to, to just go all in and lose your life for the sake of Christ. But in that, you're going to find it. You're going to find this adventure, and you're going to see God coming through and revealing himself to you in ways that He's not revealing himself to the average person who says they're a Christian. So, I think, Siggy, did you have one? 
Yeah, so let's say I'm trying to implement it in my life, trying to do the old but because of my personality bias, so I'm an introvert by nature. So right. I'd be more like, hey, yeah, I can pray on my own, I can read my own. Oh, wait, you want to talk to people, either about the gospel or about what I'm learning? So right. instead of a smooth going wheel, my introverted bias kind of makes it into a whole awesome. Right. Or the opposite, where I'm an extrovert, where, hey, yeah, I'm all about talking to people, either about what I'm learning about the gospel, but now my quiet moments in Jesus, I would prepare the word, that's not quite as pushing out as that. So, same thing. How would you recommend something kind of maybe that more go around in the circle? Well, first, it's great. Like, if you're an extrovert, be an extrovert for Jesus. You know, share your faith, reach out, encourage people. If you're an introvert, there's lots of ways to serve. And, and some of the greatest prayer warriors, like you said, are introverts. So definitely um, see that as a strength that God has given you. That If you're an introvert, it's great. You're going to have certain strengths that, that you should bring to the table. And then you're going to have, like you said, you're going to have areas of weakness where it's really outside of your comfort zone. Um, so I would encourage you, like with people, if the idea of getting, discipling people or sharing your faith is really challenging, you know, start at the, the lowest common denominator. So maybe meet with one person that you're able to share what you're learning with. Or if you're memorizing scripture, one of the easiest ways to share the gospel is to have your cards with you. Right? And you just ask someone, hey, I've been trying to memorize the Bible. I'm trying to learn this verse. Could you check me and just see if I, if I get it right? And um, that's a pretty easy way. Most people are going to do you a favor and let, let you quote the Bible, quote that verse to them. Man, like that's, that's an easy way to open up a conversation. Like they're going to respond or they're not. And even if they don't respond, you, you've planted a seed with the message of Jesus just by quoting that verse with them. So try to find little ways to follow through. All right. I think that's probably it, John. Yeah, thanks again, guys. I I really appreciate being here. I have to say I'm really encouraged by um, the people that I've been able to talk to, um, I think this is an amazing group of believers. So if you're new to this group, definitely get to know some of these folks. You may be new to Jesus, like maybe all this seems really weird to you tonight. Um, there's a whole world out there that maybe you haven't seen yet that uh, he wants to reveal to you. So yeah, you're at the start of that journey, and I hope all of you decide to live the adventure. So I'm going to pray for us, John. Is that okay? And then we'll, I'll turn it over to you. Lord Jesus, we believe tonight not only that we belong to you, but that you are alive right now at this moment. It is perhaps the defining belief that we have is that you rose from the dead and you are alive right now. We believe that as we say this prayer, you hear it, you're aware of what's happening in this one part of the world, in this one building on Fort Bragg, you see this group of people that are gathered here. Your word tells us that the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, 
that you're looking to support the man or woman whose heart is completely yours. So Lord, I I pray that tonight you would help each of us to be that man, that woman, someone whose heart is completely yours. Lord, the life is a gift. You've given us this life, and uh, we have control over ourselves. We have control over the way we choose to live our days. So Lord, uh, I pray that you would help us to live them based on what we say we believe is true, that you are alive and that you are worthy of our total devotion. Lord, I, I know that there are a lot of practical things that have to be sorted out in terms of how we do this based on where different ones are at, like even in this group, whether they're single or married or uh, a single mom or someone whose spouse is deployed, who's taking care of multiple kids, it's going to look so different from, it's hard for, you know, it's impossible for me to stand up here and give exact answers to each person's situation. Lord, you are willing to go with us and show us how to be fully devoted to you. And so I pray that as we seek you, that you would give us very clear ideas and and answers to how we can do that more faithfully. And I pray that uh, this group, this ministry, uh, this community here at Fort Bragg with the Navigators would continue to grow and thrive. I thank you for what you're doing already. And I pray that many more people would come to know you, Jesus, and that this next generation would step up like like generations past have done from this place to follow you and serve you. I pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can help us reach more people by going to iTunes, subscribing, and leaving a review. And if you like what we're doing here, tell a friend about us. In an age of social media, word of mouth is still the most powerful way to spread the message.